baby. That was awesome. I did all the technicals on that, and uh, well, not really. Good morning, brothers and sisters. So that was fun, wasn't it? I kept having that music go through my mind, though, when I settled on my message title, Truth Wars, right? Just uh, visualized it and heard it, and so uh, we chatted, and that clever little thing happened on the screen. Isn't that amazing? That was good. So thank you to my, uh, my technical genius back there helping us. Um, I want to read the passage of Scripture that we're going to park on just this morning, and to be really honest, there's so much in this. And so if you would bear with me as we just look at the text together, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I'm still getting over last-minute goodies. Last week went very well. By the way, I loved uh, uh, listening in on Dr. Ashley. He did an amazing job, did he not? And uh, yeah, he really did. And uh, too many kudos to me. Made me a little nervous, actually. But, uh, you know, like making a statement publicly, like I want him to be my pastor. You know, I was like, check for fever, you know, things like that. But just a, just a great job in sharing with you last week. And uh, I was so thankful. And our, our week in Fishkill went well as well. Had a little note waiting for me this morning when I came in. Um, Titus, the first chapter, starting in verse 10. And um, you know what? You're all in such good mood. I can impose on you to stand if you wouldn't mind. If you can, if you've got an issue, stay seated. It's not a sin. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But if you've got an issue, what's that? I'll just point you out, you know. Titus, first chapter, verse 10. Heavy text. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons, considering that as political correctness if I ever heard it in my life. This testimony is true. For the reason, for that reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. Not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Yikes. The word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Help us today. Help us, Lord Jesus. And receive our thanks that you have not left us in the dark. Some of us have taken seriously and been challenged, stimulated, encouraged, Taught, as we have done something that maybe we've never done before by taking the Bible and reading it all the way through in the last two years. We cannot overstate the value of this gift that you have given to us. And if we don't understand that and it's like we're sitting here today going, meh, 
Help us. Wake us up for your name's sake, because life and death hangs in the balance. So we ask, O oh God, for your help, Holy Spirit, for your instruction. Help your servant, who is um, a broken and limited man, to communicate truth and to the souls of your precious saints in whom you delight. And those who are sitting among us who are like, I would like to be one of those that God actually delights in. And thank you that it's a free gift that gets us there. We praise you. We worship you. Help us today in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated and thank you. So with that great introduction on the screen, I could probably pray and we can all go home, right? I was thinking about the last week. I have several things percolating. I don't see uh, Teddy. He's not here today, is he? We've started a new movement here. It's called Teddy Wants to Know. <laughs> I've got his question here. And uh, what Teddy wants to know actually is touched on in this passage. So we're going to spend a couple of weeks on just this portion. You see why it takes me so long to get through a book of the Bible? I'm stuck here for like 12 years, you know, just to get through Titus and Hebrews. And by then, anyway, Teddy's question. Dr. Ashley last week was great. Trunk or Treat was great. How many of you here? It was good. We can make it. It'll be better next year, I think. It was fun. That thing was awesome, you guys brought your son in that chair. That was amazing. A dragon wheelchair. It was awesome. Very cool. Had a good time. And, um, and yay, there's more to come. So, so many good things are happening. I want to now park on the word and talk about this thing called truth wars. How many subjects come up in this text? Example, what is sound doctrine? That comes out. What is the difference between Christian liberty and legalism, which is where churches get messed up all the time? All the time. I'm just going to say something. This is my phrase. You can quote me if you want. I doubt I'll ever be famous. We are incurable legalists. We really are. We have to constantly weed out the wrong inclination that we have. It's about conflict. Can you imagine Paul actually speaks to the fact that there can be conflicts among Christians? I know I, know I just blew everybody away. They don't even know what to think about that statement, right? Yeah, sh shocker, right? Conflict resolution. There's also something here about spiritual authority. We don't like that word. We don't like the word authority, period, in our generation. But spiritual authority? And even it leans, implies towards something. This is something we don't talk much about anymore. Church discipline. Ow. So I'm going to cover, oh, and the subject of judging is implied. How do we handle judgment? What does that mean? In fact, that was... Um, uh, Teddy's question related to that. How do you sort your way through that, right? So I'm going to cover all of that in the next three minutes. No, I'm not. I'm going to park on one thing. And we started with this idea of truth wars, which is what we're actually engaged in in the world. Okay? There is an unseen world. There are powers at work. But really, as Neil Anderson has made famous in his books called The Bondage Breaker and Victory Over the Darkness, the primary battle is a truth war. It's a war between what's really true and what isn't. And so that's why I wrote that little intro. Imagine the music. 
I won't quit my day job. A long, long time ago in a culture not that far away, not that different from ours, an outnumbered army of kingdom of heaven people, those are Christians, true Christians, were fighting a pitched battle against lies and control of the kingdom of darkness. It's really not so different, is it? Think about Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke, and Han on the Millennial Falcon having a discussion about the Force. And Han's the typical American cultural person. You know, I've been from one end of this universe to the other. I never run into any all-powerful Force and blah, blah, blah. And Luke is pushing back on it, and Obi-Wan just sits there and goes, Boy, are you dumb. Because if you believe the story, which, you know, we don't, but it, there is a force, right? Are there on, is there a God? Yes, there's a God. Is there a spiritual world? Yes, there's a spiritual world. Are there angels? Are there demons? Are there the souls of men and women? Is there an eternity? Is all of that true? Well, there's a man who lived, died, and came back from the dead who says it's all true. And that's why there are churches scattered all over the world 2,000 years later because of his resurrection from the grave. That's why we know it's true. There is such a thing. There's an antidote in the world given to us by God. It's called truth. And recognize that all truth is God's. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter which scientist or writer came up with it. If it's really true, then it stands in reality in the unseen world, it's the truth that belongs to God ultimately because he's the source and maker of all that is. The entrance of thy word brings light, the scripture says. Anybody ever had to read Psalm 119 in Sunday school? You know that long one goes like five days of reading just to get through Psalm 119. Thy word have I hid in my heart, right? The entrance of thy word gives light. The, your statutes make me wiser than my teachers. It's a great story from the 1800s. Women were uh, giving birth as they do when they're married and having children. And there were two ways to give birth back then. You might have a medical doctor help you, or you might have a midwife help you. There was a particular gentleman, I, I don't know if I can pronounce his name right, Ignaz Semmelweis, famous, right? You all know that name. Dr. Semmelweis. He noticed that something was wrong, that the babies that were being born with midwives and the mothers who were giving birth were staying healthier and living longer, and the ones who were being served by doctors often contracted certain diseases and ended up dying. It took a while for him, through several different, if I can put it, not experiments, uh, analyses, watching, observing, doing some survey, to get to the truth of why was this happening. Was it because of bad spirits in the room? Was it be I mean, people had all kinds of superstitious ideas. He finally figured out there must be a connection between the fact, why are you grimacing? Because you're a new mom. Or you, how did you figure that out already? He noticed 
and realized doctors were performing autopsies on those who had died from a particular childbirth disease and then were serving new mothers. And so at one point, he was insisting to the medical community, I don't care whether you think I'm crazy or whatever, for God's sake, wash your hands. How hard was that? Doesn't matter, they knew. And not only that, wouldn't you know, human pride and rebellion got in the way because they didn't want to admit maybe we were part of the problem. So they resisted him. And I don't know what the rest of the story was. He ended up being uh, put in an asylum because he may have let his rage and fury and frustration get totally out of control because he was poo-pooed and ignored. Don't know. But that's actually truth. 1846, Dr. Semmelweis, wash your hands. Sometimes simple truth can save the day. What's true? That's what we want to know. So we want to talk about the stakes today. It can be life and death. In that case, it literally was. That's why it was so wonderful that with the progression of the gospel around the world, with medical missions, etc., so much truth and light, not only spiritually but physically, scientifically, came with the gospel to different cultures. And grateful we are today that that's true. So the stakes are high because just as in medicine, so in terms of our spiritual life, our personal existence and how we live, um, we're impacted by what we believe, what we know to be true or true what we think is false. I've been passing around an admonition CD. Some of you uh, leaders have hopefully gotten your hands on it. If not, it'll be coming around. And uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Mr. Ortberg actually preaches out of this very passage about the need for those who are giving false lies about the gospel to be silenced. And here's what that verse is, just looking back at what I read a moment ago. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, deceivers, especially of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. I don't have the time to touch on that concept of sordid gain right now. It was a common problem back in those days. I wish I could say it's not a problem today, but it is. But that's not the main point. Here's what's interesting. Silence because they are upsetting whole families. Now, here's an interesting thing. Households, whole households. The early church did not have buildings like this. So it could be that he's referring to the church, the whole household. People met in a person's house. Have you ever read your endings of your New Testament letters? Have you ever read the ends? You know, greet the saints that meet at so-and-so's house and the people, the church that is in your house. It could be that the whole household, the, the house church was disrupted by something wrong. But it can also have to do with personal home life. Consider, and we'll look at a passage in a few minutes, if some of the teachings falsehoods that are being communicated about how you please God have something to do with things that have been part of your family for generations and generations, it may upset your family life. Well, you'll see what I mean when we work our way through. So, in effect, 
the church said leaders, overseers, that was the context of chapter 1, and by the way, all of us, should learn the word of God, namely that a man is certain way, this person, da 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 Verse 9 says this, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, that he might both be able to exhort with sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. You need to set it straight. So that's why that was the standard for elders, in particular, in a church, that they can unpack the word of God and say, no, you're wrong, and here's why you're wrong. Here's what the gospel really says. By the way, anybody put their kids in Awana? Anybody have your kids in Awana? Okay, this is not a test. It's not, not trying to make anybody nervous. What does Awana stand for? No, I'm naming Say it again. Approved workmen are not ashamed. Right? So I know, what is that talking about? It's not talking about construction. It's talking about handling the word of God, right? Knowing the word of God. Proved workmen are not ashamed. It's really something that should be our goal as believers, that I understand this is true and this is false. This is what the Bible actually says. And if you're not that far along in it, at least find out who you can trust that's going to unpack the living, true, accurate word of God for you. Now, this is... um, a little more history, but it's a little more recent, our generation. It was March 26, 1997, so we're talking 21 years ago, right? That's our generation, right? most of us. Following an anonymous tip, police entered a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, an exclusive suburb of San Diego, California, They discovered 39 victims of a mass suicide. 39 victims. 21 women, 18 men of various ages, were all found lying peaceably in matching dark clothes and Nike sneakers. That must mean something. Nike sneakers. I don't know why they mention that, but it's there. They had participated in a mass suicide in order to reach what they believed was an extraterrestrial spacecraft following Comet Hale-Bopp. Anybody remember when that came through? The group's website was updated with the message, Hale-Bopp brings closure to Heaven's Gate. By the way, look at this, this house. That's the house. It's like these are not ignorant, uneducated people. Deceived on the backwoods somewhere. Hale-Bopp brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Listen to this. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to a conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level, we are happily prepared to leave this world and go with them. The religious cult whose leaders preached that suicide would allow them to leave their bodily containers and enter an alien spacecraft would take them to the kingdom of heaven. I wish I could say that's the only time things like this happen, but it's happened and happens. If somebody really understands the word of God, how would you have handled all of that interacting with one of these people? You see, what what I'm telling you is that there's a lie involved here. 
that there's not truth to back this up. How come you fell for this? So reading the scripture and understanding what it teaches, the kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with traveling by spacecraft. The kingdom of heaven revealed in the scripture is not talking about outer space. Everybody get that? I now live in Pine Bush. So I'm going to leave that alone for now. I've got, hey, brother, I've got a lot. You got a question? <laughs> that, is, that is a doctrine, but it's not a truth. Okay, that's a doctrine of a certain wing of the church, assuming certain sins are worse than others. Okay, but that's not true. Okay, but. Here's my concern for these people. If they had known the scripture, just like when Jim Jones hit the skids, remember that? If I had been taught the word of God, I would know that being disciplined in church, church discipline didn't mean getting spanked publicly in a church service. Because I know the Bible. That's not from God. And if you're sitting here wondering, how do you know that's not? You need to read your Bible, right? You get what I'm getting at? Truth makes all the difference. In this case, life versus death. And friends, when we enter through the door of death, which we all will, hopefully not self-inflicted, when we do walk through that door, there is eternal reality that Jesus has revealed. We can know what's happening. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And I'm preparing one for you. Either he's lying or you can trust him. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Everybody's heard of C.S. Lewis? Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You've at least seen the movie, right? Okay, so C.S. You don't? You haven't? Oh, sorry. C.S. Lewis. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Great books. Other books. Mere Christianity. Give me another one. Uh, the Great Divorce. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, yeah, the screw tape letters, there's a good one for today's message, right? Screw tape is uh, demons that are plotting to deceive Christians and get them off track. That's the whole point. Brilliant writer. He was heavily influenced and actually pushed toward true conversion by this gentleman. Anybody know who he is? Somebody does. G.K. Chesterton. I'm going to put a quote from him. Let this soak in. When men choose not to believe in God, can I add, and his word, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. They then become capable of believing in anything. See, if the word and the truth, if the truth doesn't set you free and, and secure you in what is clear, what is right and wrong, then you can buy into almost anything. Because people start telling you such cool stories. I mean, they must be telling you the truth. Let me read it one more time. When men choose not to believe in God, they don't thereafter believe in nothing. They become capable of believing in anything. Of being deceived. So we want to talk about neo-spirituality. The spirituality that's all over our culture today. Neo-spirituality. Anybody here a big fan of that spiritual TV series, The Big Bang Theory? <laughs> Most of us know it, right? You know, Leonard is smitten by Penny. And I remember this specific 
episode where he, he is so wanting Penny. And she mentions, well, you know, my, my astral chart says this. And he's like, that has no scientific proof for any of that. And she gives her one of her looks, you know, like your, yeah, that kind of look, right like that. Yeah, Mrs. Bennett, you've got it down. You've got it down, just like this. Oh, is that so? Like, you can just get out of my life. That's kind of... So, well, well, maybe not so much. Hey, he just backs down, you know. Well, maybe... maybe. <laughs> Can't make up his mind, right? We're living in a culture where we're almost afraid to say, that is just rubbish. What's on television? What's on in the papers? Ghost hunters. Mediums. Psychics, have you had your palm read? Have you had your aura read? Have you checked your astrological chart? Have you done it? Where's mine? I got mine today. I just wanted to play it safe today. Here we go. See, this, this is fascinating to me right here. Libra, I'm a Libra. Yeah. Seriously? Beam me up, Scotty, really. That's Share your feelings and find out exactly where you stand. How did they know that's what I was supposed to do today? What you discover is that truth can be liberating and can help you put who you are and what you want first and foremost. Tell me that isn't like a psychic connection, that that was on my thing today when I'm preaching about truth wars. I'm sold. Oh, one more. It's a good thing my wife's not in the room. Love is in the stars. (laughs) Thankfully, I found it a long time ago, and... (laughs) This is, anyway, now I'm going to stop right there. What in that statement wouldn't apply to anybody at any time? So there are times it's just nonsense. But I'm not dissing all of it, and Christians make a mistake of thinking there's no such thing ever. Let me read something to you. I'm going to switch the next two answers in your um, pseudo, not pseudo, what was it, neo-spirituality. The answers, if you're a filler-inner, if you're a note-taker. I'm putting the Isaiah text first. Look at this text. And when they say to you, consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Duh. That, That was added in by me, the duh. That wasn't in there. Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? The question, uh, by the way, class, what do you think the answer is? (sighs) Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? Remember when King Saul was desperate and he weenied out. He was just like Leonard, thinking he might miss a date with... what. I don't know what to do. I'm going to die in battle. I better go find the witch of Endor and have her call up Samuel. Remember that? He was condemned and judged because of it. He just secured his death and his, and his shame is what he did. To the law, here's the answer. Go to the book. Go to the law and to the testimony. Go to the book. If they don't speak according to this word, it is because they have no light. That's what it's saying, dawn. They have no light. They're in darkness. They're deceived. Anybody hearing me? 
they're being deceived. In other words, what's God's opinion about this? Does that matter at all? He has a very clear view of it. So today, we're very heavily influenced by some of this stuff. It's in our culture everywhere. You can't, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to um, be rude. I understand that. I don't want to be rude. I had somebody look at my home one day that was a um, uh, possible purchase before we had moved, and really a discussion of feeling like a deceased family member was trying to coach that person how to buy the house or whether to buy the house. And I'm telling you, I, I was like, if I could just grab a hold of you and drag you back in the house and spend a half hour with you unpacking truth, this is all deception. It's all deception. There's a God who's trying to speak loudly to you. Even the things you're saying, he's speaking to you, but you're not hearing it right. What's God's opinion? Does it matter? Anybody um, ever see that show, Crossing Over? It's a gentleman named John Edward McGee, Jr. He goes by John Edward. He's a famous, famous psychic now. And, um, and, and again, I'm just saying, if I'm a believer, I need to be open to the reality that there is an unseen world. It's wrong to say it's all bogus and all nonsense. There's a lot. Probably... I'm going to risk making up a statistic like Dr. Ashley talked about last week, made up on the spot, but 85% is probably bogus. But there is, there are times when weird things happen. Edwards talks about, and his name is Edward, not Edwards. He talks about how he got roped in when he interacted with another psychic or medium, I can't remember. Here's what he said, quote, She told me things that there is no way she could have known. There's the big selling point, right? That's the big selling point why people get sucked in. How did they know that? I'm going to tell you in a couple of minutes. There's a simple, if your worldview is the biblical worldview, there's a simple explanation. Did you know that? Okay. She told me things there was no way she could have known. And the first part of the reading was that this was the path I was supposed to be on and that I was supposed to be a teacher and help people, and I thought she was nuts. She told me I would one day become internationally known for my psychic abilities through lectures, books, radio, and TV. And rich. Oh, and no, it didn't say that. And I thought she was full of it until she started to tell me things no one in my life knew about. The details were unbelievable. And he was hooked. And now he's got them all hooked. I watched a little bit, just in prep as I was looking, I watched a little video of his TV appearance and his working the crowd. And, and a person of just even heightened intuitiveness would be able to tap into some of the things and people are just bawling and like, oh, you gave me assurance that my long-lost so-and-so has visited us today and told me. What a lie. Scripture, very clear. Jesus even said it. You can't come back to me. (laughs) Once you leave this world, you're in the hands of the living God, all right? There's no back and forth going on. You're going to go to them. They're not coming back to you. 
So if they're with Jesus, you're going to see them again. We understand all of that. But he, he went full bore into it. And now is a big name. And people are buying in and they're being manipulated. Why? Because a little bit of data is communicated somehow, either by luck, fluke, or some other way. And that settles the issue. It must be true. Here's what's true. The fact that's being communicated may be true. That's it. Whether there is actually a connection going on with God or the people who have perished before us, that's a whole other question. We haven't answered that yet. Unless we look at the scripture, what does it say about those who lose their life, go into the next world? Here's what the scripture tells us. By the way, Titus is one of the pastoral epistles. Everybody know that? Written to pastors, Timothy and Titus. So they are dealing with some of the same issues, and I think there's a parallel between this and what Titus is talking about. The Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits, doctrines of who? Now, either he means what he's saying, or he's superstitious and just didn't know any better. And by the way, there are people who think that's how we should handle the Bible. Jesus was old school. Paul was old school. They were superstitious. They actually believed in angels and evil spirits and all that. But we know better now. We know better now, really. Isn't it interesting that Satan, Jesus said, was a liar from the beginning? He was a liar and he was the murderer. And his whole plan is to destroy Thief comes but to steal and destroy, he says. That's the enemy's work. We look around. If we are such an enlightened culture and science has won the day, how come we're more superstitious than we used to be? Maybe there's an influence out there beyond just the natural. I'm just saying. Maybe. The question is, do you trust them? Deceitful spirits. Here's an example of some of their teaching when it infiltrated into the church. Their conscience is seared as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created gratefully to be shared in by those who believe and know the truth. Can you just go back a minute in your mind to that thing about upsetting whole families? Can you imagine if you were married, you both came to Christ, and all of a sudden someone's teaching that celibacy is the rest of your life? Would would you be happy about that? At least somebody in the house wouldn't be happy, probably. (laughs) Some might be relieved. I don't know. (laughs) But the point is, it's upsetting whole families. That would just be one example of false teaching having an impact in the wrong places. Just one example. So, the question is, has God communicated clearly what the truth is about the unseen world? Are there, in fact, deceitful spirits at work that false teaching, whatever, that get us off track? The question is, do I really trust him? Do I trust what he says? And some of this instruction is not to those who have, you know, many of us are sitting here and say, well, I've never been attracted to any of that stuff, or occultism makes me nervous anyway, so I've avoided it. But some of us, I can almost bet money, have dabbled in some of this junk. Ouija boards, whatever. And then people come to me and have over the, over the years and say, you know, I've been having this problem or this weird, strange kind of 
spook phenomenon, uh, what harassment, you know, and they, well, what, where would that have come, you know? And you unpack it and find out where they have given ground to the enemy because the scripture's clear about what's right and wrong. But the power of the gospel can blow it out. That's the good part. So there's also insiders, people. This was written to church peeps, right? This is written to us, to church peeps back then. And so there's some instruction. And here's the thing I wanted to mention relating to pseudo-Christianity. We're not going to park on it today. I'm going to come back to this because it's too hard to unpack all in one session. This last week we celebrated, um, we had trunk or treat. Most of us, maybe as Christians, don't celebrate Halloween. Did you know that Hallow's Eve was a Christian festival? Do you understand that? And, um, you know, honoring and remembering the martyrs and the saints, what have you. Usually not in uh, Reformation circles, but still. October 31st is also known by another name. Anybody know? What? What? I just heard it. Ashley. Ashley. That's two times today. Reformation Day. Do you know why? Reformation was kicked off by a man who was concerned about truth. Martin Luther had been studying Scripture and realized when he found in the book of Romans the just, that is, you will be declared just and righteous if you live by Faith. All right, somebody knew the answer. Faith, right? Not by trying to earn your way, which some of us in this room are still trying to do. I'm going to, if I could just get this put together, then I know I'd be accepted with God. If you're in Christ, you're already accepted with God. And so he found this and he was like, this, this is just, I'm seeing what the church has been getting away with and what the Bible says. So he wrote up a whole bunch of questions, 95 statements called the 95 Theses. And his intention, when he went to the Wittenberg Chapel door and nailed that 95 Theses on the door, was simply, let's bring out all the big guns and talk about this. Let's debate what the Bible really says and get our stuff fixed up. All he wanted to do was clean it up. Oh, my. History changed. Reformation Day. Why? Because words matter. Truth matters. What the Word of God says matters. And people's souls were hanging in the balance. And so there was a great revival. A revival of leaning on the Word of God and trusting in Him by faith rather than by trying to earn favor with God or pay into the church enough that would get you a seat, at least through purgatory, which isn't even in the Bible. It's not scriptural. That's what I'm talking about. The truth matters. It's a matter of life and death. Those are the stakes. So I said earlier, that was 1517, and the war continues. Left to ourselves, we're incurable legalists. Some people say, well, no, no, you can't do that. And so that's why I had those other verses like this one. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. Paul says later on in the same book when he talks about church discipline in in Titus chapter 3, 
shun foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they're unprofitable and worthless. And here's one more. I love this one. Exhort them to not pay attention. This is his last one. Titus chapter 1, verse 14, the previous verse. Not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. Many of us today don't deal with Jewish myths. That was the big problem in the first century because there was so much rabbinic teaching. But since that time, there's so much inter-Christendom teaching that there's tons of confusion. So the second half of that verse still applies. The commandments of men who turn away from the truth. We don't have time to unpack cults, Reverend Moon, I thought of one that I wanted to park on today. I'll just give you a quick highlight. When I was a brand new Christian, I was dating somebody that Jody knows. And um, I went to a church service. (laughs) Try to keep yourself together there, Jody. I went to a church service at a group that I didn't know at the time was actually a cult was called The Way Foundation for Biblical Research. And I sat it. yeah, how, how straight up can it get, right? The Way Foundation for Biblical Research. I mean, the New Testament called the followers of Jesus the way, right? And uh, I sat in there, and they did services just the way the Bible talked about. People would speak of prophetic utterance. They would speak in tongues. There would be an interpretation. Then the word would get up there. The guy would get up and preach the word. And frankly, I'll be honest it edified me at one point because it was the word of God. It was the truth, right? And he, he quoted what became my life verse. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. The um, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I'm like, whoa, dude. This is cool. And then I found out they had a Holy Spirit class that you pay $100 and you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I went, there's something not right about that, I think. (laughs) Those who are teaching nonsense for the sake of sordid game. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, um." And then as I studied, I found that they denied the deity of Jesus, of course, which is central to the gospel for 2,000 years. That's part of orthodoxy. That's where you have to know what the word says clearly, which it does say clearly. So that kind of thing will confuse. When people start to you, well, you can't do this, or you can't eat that, or you can only go to certain things, you can only use this version, you can only this, that, and the other thing. I could spend a whole hour just on that and where some of us are stuck in some of it. So I will, but not today. I will. But I want to tell you one story, and I think I may have used this one other time. Um, There was a very well-known evangelical uh, minister who had really some excellent, excellent teaching, especially for young people working through their issues. Can you imagine young people working through issues? What issues do they have? Right, Corey? I mean, you work with Young Life. They don't have any issues, right? Yeah. (laughs) Self-acceptance. Right relationship with authority. Obtaining a clear conscience. I'm saying things that people in this room haven't gotten a handle on, right? Come on, let's be honest. 
They were covering, he was covering great stuff. But then he got into the mistake that happens of being the answer man for everything. Like the, the Jewish rabbis, they had to have an answer for every possible scenario. That's not freedom, brothers and sisters. That's bondage. Oh, I got to look it up. Wait a minute, it's on page 1592. Here it is. That's not the way we live the Christian life. Absorb the word and the spirit guides you to do what is right. Illumines and convicts. And I say, oh man, he's talking to me on that. Anybody ever have the Holy Spirit talk to you on that? All three of you. Okay, that's good. Anyway, I went to a seminar. There's no end of seminar. You know, Solomon said of the writing of books, there is no end. Of the making of Christian seminars, there is no end. I went to this seminar for preachers, and I was in the midst of this seminar, and he started getting into very legalistic perspectives on childbearing, and if, if, uh, if somebody has had surgery, to they should go back and undo it. And I'm listening to this and a few other things. And as I'm listening, I'm going, boy, I'm feeling awfully uncomfortable. And then as I was kind of feeling it weigh in on me, and I'm starting to feel condemned and ashamed. And I had five kids myself for crying out. Actually, my wife helped me. (laughs) I think I did my part to repopulate the earth. Enough already! And I'm feeling this weight and this shame. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, this is a dark spirit, rebuke it. And in my spirit, I went, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this lie. And the fog lifted. It was daylight. And I got in my spirit, I was like, this is what the Bible condemns. Doing this. Bringing your people back under a cloud of bondage, a burden of chains. That is so wrong. I was free from that point on. Sometimes it confuses even how do we become a Christian. So let me just be clear with a concise text. And I know I'm, uh, I'm, I'm piggybacking off my brother Dennis Ashley because he loves chapter 3 of the book of Titus. He loves it. And I think it's because of this passage that he loves it. When the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared... He saved us. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't say he's still at it. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, not by how righteous you are, not by how you practice your uh, family planning or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. But according to his mercy, by the washing of what? Regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You need the word or you'll be off track. But the spirit empowers the word and helps me say that's death and that's life. That's the path to prosperity and that's the path to destruction. I'm going to choose life. Whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. How did you get eternal life? Same way Dr. Ashley told you last week. You want mercy, right? (laughs) 
I want the mercy of God. And you get it because of the grace of God. There's nothing you can do to earn it or fix yourself up or get you ready to accept Jesus. How many people I've talked to, I can't accept them yet. I've got to clean this habit up. You're going to die first. Accept him. He'll clean you up. Let him do it. Let's stand together and close in prayer. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that this would have been helpful to clarify that you have not left us in the dark. It's possible to know what's right and wrong, what's true and what isn't. And for people who may be wondering, Lord, bring to their soul the reality that you are not a liar. The enemy is a liar. The world is full of lies, but you speak truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. It sets us free. So thank you for that work of your spirit, Lord. And by your spirit, woo those who need to rest in your finished work and Become your children by faith. Stand on your truth. And if, Lord, the Holy Spirit has tweaked any of my brothers and sisters that they may have gotten off a bit, grant grace and the assurance of recovery because your blood, Lord Jesus, your sacrifice on the cross, you've come. We're going to be celebrating Christmas. soon. You came to let your blessings flow far as the curse is found. You're the one that breaks the power of the curse. You set the prisoner free. He breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free. Lord, it's freedom that you want for your children. Not lawlessness, genuine freedom. Help us today. Illumine our minds. Put your angels around us because they're real. Put them around us to serve us, to keep us as we're out in the world until we gather again next week. In the name of Jesus, we pray and all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day.